Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused. Todd Smith was known as a successful businessman around the town of McChesney Park, Illinois. He seemed to make a great living and take good care of his wife and daughters. His wife Katrina was also very successful. They had just recently celebrated seven years of being together, and Katrina was up for a big promotion at work. The future for the couple looked bright. At least it did on the outside. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And before we jump into our case, we want to thank our two new patrons, Christina and Carrie. Thanks, guys. Actually thanked Carrie last week, but it was at the end of the episode, so... That doesn't oh, count. I totally forgot. So I'm sorry, Carrie, but this week we're on top of things, <laughs> I think. And also, Christina, you guys are both awesome. So... Do you have anything you want to say before we jump into it? I don't think so. I think I'm just ready. Okay, so this week's case is a doozy. It's Todd and Katrina Smith. So, Rosie, take it away. Todd and Katrina Smith were a happy couple from Chesney Park, Illinois. By October of 2012, they had been planning, they had been together for seven years and were planning to go on a trip to celebrate the milestone. Yeah, so they made a trip to Washington, D.C. to celebrate their anniversary. And they were also celebrating a possible new promotion that Katrina was interviewing for the day after the trip. So it's an Mm. exciting time. It is exciting, but it's also scary if she didn't get the job. Yeah. Currently, 30-year-old Katrina Smith was working as a human resources manager for a local company. And her 44-year-old husband, Todd, was an insurance and investment broker well-respected around town. They got home from their trip on Monday night, October 22nd, and Katrina did the laundry from the trip as she used Todd's laptop to confirm her morning interview with her boss. Katrina had promised a friend that she'd house-sit for them after her trip, so that evening she went to their condo in Roscoe and checked on it. It sounds like Katrina stayed overnight at the friend's house and Todd stayed at his own place. Roscoe is about 10 minutes north of McChesney Park, so it's not too far away. Okay. The next morning was the morning of Katrina's big interview. So Todd texted her, Good luck at your interview. You're going to be awesome. From 100 to 6 to top 2 to the new HR person, just like I predicted. So it sounds like there are a lot of candidates for this position that Katrina was going for. and She had gone all the way from one of 100 down to the top two and so he had high hopes for her getting the new position as well and they already celebrated the promotion well it was their seventh anniversary right but i mean so it sounded like she had it in the bag uh-huh. i'd still be nervous about doing that <laughs> i don't know why it's stressing me out well, so much we're not really like you know go-getters we're, we're more like go with the flow, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But it seems like Katrina's a really driven person. Mm-hmm. Well, Katrina didn't respond to the text right away, but Todd didn't worry too much about it. And he probably just figured she was really busy and nervous about her interview and didn't want her to get distracted. So, But as the day went on, more and more time passed without Todd hearing from his wife. Later on that evening, he got a call from Katrina's employer to let him know that Katrina had never showed up for work that day. She had completely missed the big interview that she was so excited about. So that's a little weird. Yeah. She was looking forward to the interview. So at this point, Todd's starting to panic. 
Um, so we're going to introduce another person, uh, Katrina's sister. Her name's Miranda Salinas. Okay. Around 7 p.m., Todd called Miranda, asking her if she'd heard from Katrina that day, but she hadn't. He told her that Katrina hadn't shown up for work, and that he hadn't heard from her since the previous night. This really worried Miranda because she knew Katrina was a very responsible person and wouldn't purposely miss a big interview like this. So she asked Todd if he and Katrina had gotten into a fight or if she was upset about anything, but he couldn't think of anything that she could have been upset about. So Todd frantically drives to the Winnebago Sheriff's Office to report her missing. I'm curious why he drove to the station instead of calling, but I guess I would probably freak out and act irrationally if you went missing, Rosie. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably not a good thing. No, I'm going to take it as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) This was October 23rd, 2012, and this was the day that the sheriff's office listed Katrina Smith as a missing person. Detectives looked into Todd's laptop, which he said that she had been using the night before to send emails related to her upcoming interview. Yeah, so they found the email correspondence on there. The last email she had sent was at 10.54 p.m., which, to me, that seems pretty late to leave to go house-sit the night before a big interview. Valid. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, she was still at the house at 10.54 10.54 when she sent the email, and then she left to go house-sit. No, this is weird. You'd this think, is a little odd. Yeah, you'd think she'd want to get to bed early. But then again, you know, when you're excited, looking forward to something, you can't really sleep sometimes, so maybe she just wasn't able to relax enough to go to bed early. Hmm. I guess. It still seems quite strange. <laughs> yeah. Todd was very determined to find his wife, and he appeared to be completely devastated by these events. For several days, he appeared on local television, crying and pleading for his wife to come home. And I tried to find the raw footage of this, but I couldn't find it too easily. But you can see the video of him on the news in the True Crime Daily coverage of this case. Um, So you can see him for yourself. Hmm. Later on Tuesday, October 23rd, the day she was declared missing... Her Chevy Cruze was found abandoned where Ventura Boulevard and Obispo Road intersect in Machesney Park, just east of the Rock River. Nice pronunciation there. (laughs) I'm impressed. First try. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Um, So there's a river nearby, the Rock River, but these roads are really narrow and wooded residential roads. They don't even have lines on them, so it's a fairly secluded area. But there are several houses with mid-sized yards surrounding it. Um, I did the Google Street View and looked around. And the houses are private residential riverfront properties, so it doesn't look like there's any public river access right nearby that I could find. Um, but there is a bridge where Ralston and Latham Roads converge just a couple blocks away. So just to give you an idea of the area where her car was found... Hmm. Uh, like if there is any foul play, there is a river nearby, but it's you'd have to go to a street to get access to it, it looks like. Got it. Right away, Katrina's brother, Chad Calvet, started organizing searches to find his sister. Friends, family, and community volunteers all got together to help search for Katrina Smith. Although he was visibly distraught, Todd Smith helped search right alongside the other volunteers for his wife. So the family is desperately searching to find their loved one alive, hoping there's some possibility of it. But as they continued to process the evidence, the outlook became a little more bleak. The car appeared to have been recently wiped clean of any fingerprints or other evidence. Also, two days after her car had been recovered, her purse and cell phone were found on the ground, nestled in the fallen leaves, just feet from where her vehicle had been found. But one really big red flag was bloody paper towels, along with evidence that there had been blood in the back of Katrina's car. (sighs) So that doesn't look too good. And Todd, around this time, actually started making public pleas on the local news, begging for Katrina's safe return. 
as family and friends rallied around him. So This is weird, though, because the car was wiped of fingerprints, but then they found bloody paper towels. I know. How sloppy. I was confused by that. Well, the bloody paper towels were near the car. Well, still, if you're going to take the time to wipe the car, you would think you'd pick up your yeah, no paper kidding. towels. Some bumble butt is just like throwing <laughs> stuff out into the woods thinking they won't search over there. Huh. But at this point, it's pretty clear that there's foul play involved. Definitely. On day four of the search for Katrina, Todd held back tears as he said, It's been horrible. I just want her to come home. She said she'd be back later, and that's the last we heard of her. He appeared very distraught, fighting back tears. It seemed that he was barely able to get the words out. And every day for several days following Katrina's disappearance, Todd was vigilantly conducting interviews with the news media, trying to spread the message and get the public to help him out. Hmm. So he was like... On it. You know, yeah, every day. I think for 17 days or so. Wow. Katrina's sister, Miranda, was trying to stay positive and keep searching for her sister. The family had created a special Facebook page for Katrina's search, where the community could share support and tips about the missing woman. And Miranda, her sister, posted a really touching, heartbreaking message on the page. Rosie, do you want to read that? Sure. It's super sad, though. Yeah. On October 30th, 2012, she posted, Sissy, I love you more than words can describe. You are in my heart now and forever. You are a piece of me that can never be taken away. I miss you terribly, and the pain that I feel is unbearable. Just know that I will spend the rest of my life here on earth thinking of you, missing you, and loving you unconditionally. That's really touching and sad. Um, And another week after this post, Miranda appeared on the local news, emotionally expressing how much she missed her sister. Yeah. So, Miranda's really going through a rough time here. And it seems like they had a really close bond. And just try to imagine the desperation after your loved one's been missing for a whole week. Not to mention the discoveries by the car. So hope is really starting to dwindle. And the close family's hearts are just aching with frustration, having no idea where their loved one is. It just really sucks for this family. So Todd, along with the family, were making every effort they could to find Katrina. A theory started to go around that Katrina had possibly been stalked by someone from the community. There was actually a kid from the Smiths Church that had a little bit of a record with stalking people. And this kid was actually charged with stalking the Smith's neighbor not too long before this. He'd been looking into her bedroom window, and he was caught. But this opens up a lot of speculation, because if he was caught peeping into the Smith's neighbor's house, is it possible he had also been stalking Katrina? And he was starting to look like a possible suspect here. Was this like a teenage kid, or just like a young adult kid? Yeah, uh, Just a kid? Like, <laughs> upper, mid-teens. Oh, say. how odd. Law enforcement started to look into this kid closer because he does have a suspicious past. But, to put your minds at ease, that did not last too long. They weren't able to find any evidence, and um, just after this, they learned a pretty uh, huge other detail about Katrina that would end up having a really big impact on the investigation. Katrina worked with a man named Guy Gabriel. What a name. I know, this guy. <laughs> this guy. They had actually started having a secret romance. She was very good at keeping it hidden, but after her disappearance, there was a spotlight on her life, and authorities were able to dig this up. Now this guy, Guy Gabriel, had a big old red flag over him. He actually had a record of violence in his past. Guy Gabriel had been arrested in the past and charged with domestic battery against his wife. When she reported the attack to the police, her eyes were red from crying. She had scratches on her chest and her throat, as well as a big bump on her forehead. She told the nurses treating her that he had been choking her and even slammed her head onto the floor. Yikes. So, I mean, that's really rough. He is... 
got this past of being physically abusive, and it really looks like the police have found the perfect suspect now, mm-hmm. especially if he's having a relationship with her. So after this, they started to look into him a little more. A lot of pent-up anger about being named Guy Gabriel. Apparently. <laughs> Guy Gabriel had actually sent many text messages to Katrina Katrina on the night she had disappeared. Among the texts was one that asked her, What's wrong? And another text that said, Have you told him that you want a divorce? There's nothing left in you for him. Nothing. Divorce. <laughs> Shut up. I'm sorry. I was wondering why you chuckled. It's like I said everything correctly. Guess not. I'm sorry. But this text, based on these texts, it sounds like it's a little bit heated. Um, but then his texts appear to get even more aggressive as the night went on. He texted her, You're crazy to keep it bottled in. He wants to share it with people. Then share the truth. He wants... What? This is weird. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. He texted her, you're crazy to keep it bottled in. He wants to share with people? Then share the truth. He wants this his way? Well, newsflash, he has no say. What is he talking about? Well, no one knows because... I couldn't even read it because I was so confused. Because I don't think they have access to the text she was sending him. <sighs> what a puzzle. And they, I think he deleted it before they could get to his phone, but it seems like Guy was pretty upset with her on this night. It seems like he's sick of waiting for her to make up her mind about leaving her husband to be with him. And as we see from his past, he can get pretty violent when he's upset. Katrina's other co-workers told investigators that Katrina had confided, confided in them that she felt like she was being stalked in the last few weeks leading up to her disappearance. She even alerted her cell phone company. I'm guessing this was to see if there was possible spyware installed on her phone or something. Like, to me, there's nothing creepier than wondering if someone's able to spy on me through my phone. You, know? you mean like Google? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, yeah, Google and Apple, man, they're always, they always hear our conversations because they know exactly what ads to put up. Yep. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but especially these days when there's so much personal and financial info on our phones, like thinking about someone possibly bugging your phone and stalking you, that's terrifying. And it is terrifying. They'd be really bored if they stalked my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But like, like you just said, I know for a fact, Apple is stalking me because every time we have a conversation about wanting something, Mm -hmm. It shows up in my Instagram or Facebook feed in the ads. I know. It's, it's like, crazy. what is going on? I, I know. But, sorry for that rabbit hole. Back to the story. Katrina had been so paranoid that just four days before she had disappeared, she was texting her dad about getting her conceal and carry license. She wanted to buy a gun to protect herself because she feared for her safety. Yeah, according... To her dad, um, she, you know, she was interested in buying the gun, and plus, all her coworkers that were close to her knew that she was paranoid around this time too. So it seems like she was really worried someone was after her, and it doesn't really seem like a coincidence that it was around the exact same time she disappeared. It's sad to see that she still went missing, even though she was doing everything she thought she could to protect herself but along with this there was actually another disturbing incident that her co-workers told investigators about just two weeks before she went missing someone wearing a disguise drove through her work parking lot throwing flyers out of the window of the car well that's <laughs> so, odd yeah this part is really weird whoever wrote these flyers is ridiculously terrible at grammar And can't seem to pick a consistent perspective to write from, you know? Hmm. Like first person, third person, you know? At times it seems like Guy Gabriel is the one writing it, but it's just not consistent. So we're going to read it for you so you know what we mean, but we want to warn you, it's a bit explicit. Um, Like, we'll censor it, 
but just know listener discretion is advised here. So, Rosie, will you read it, and I'll point out all the grammatical issues <laughs> sure. for a little relief from the stupidity? <laughs> yeah. Guy won the bet. He was able to F Katrina from HR in record time. Then the next part is in quotes, like it's a quote from Guy. But he spelled Katrina wrong. I know. <laughs> it's, okay. But um, So this next part is in quotes. Okay. It was the easiest challenge so far. Yeah, challenge is missing an L. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's married with a family, but when I turned on the charm, he legs fell open. Anybody think, can do I think do it, it actually did say her legs. I just had a typo there. Wow. I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> Even you, all you have to do is let her talk or text. Pretend you're listening as a friend, and suddenly you're pounding the sweet stuff. Oh my god. Who says that? <laughs> That's so weird. Also, it's the wrong your, but whatever. She never had a chance. So that's where the quotations end. That's weird. So that whole little section was apparently supposed to be Guy saying it. But at this point, it's kind of starting to look like Guy isn't the one that made this. Um, but um, Okay, so I guess I'll keep reading. Yeah, such so an odd note. Now it's back to the perspective of whoever's writing this crap. What's next for Gabriel? I'm going to do the whole HR depth. <laughs> and he forgot the W in whole. Maybe even go through corporate as well. The best part of married women is no dinner expense. No annoying hanging around. Once the legs come open, it's slam. Bam. Gotta go. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I say, what about us? We want special treatment, too. And finally, it's the wrong spelling of two. The writer only used one O. We want special treatment to what? We want special treatment to. Like, it's supposed to be T-O-O. Whoever wrote these flyers is calling Katrina, you know, the village bicycle. Like, anyone can ride it. And they did so in such a terrible, grammatical way. It's very... That doesn't even... You can't even piece it together. It's like, what? Yeah. I just had to point out all the grammar issues because I thought they were kind of goofy in the middle of such a serious and disturbing flyer. And I just, you know, wanted to lighten it up a little bit. But um, by reading this, like, it maybe could have been Guy, but it almost seems like someone that was a little bit jealous of the couple. Mm -hmm, Definitely. It's pretty obvious, I guess. Yeah. But again, their relationship was a secret. So they didn't know that anyone else knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's likely that it could have been someone else they worked with that knew they were hooking up. Maybe someone who had been rejected by one of them in the past. Just it would seem most likely they worked um, that someone they worked with would have realized they had a little thing going on mm-hmm. if it was, you know, right. So at least around the office. We see that Katrina's affair was no longer a secret. Maybe this was the incident that spurred Guy to want to convince Katrina to tell her husband and leave him. But either way, Guy Gabriel was obviously very suspicious, and detectives took him in for questioning. But he claimed that he was at work the night she went missing. And I thought that was a little odd. Like, why would he be working after 10 p.m.? Well, maybe he's just a night worker. Oh, that's a good point. I couldn't figure out where it was that they worked, but I guess I know places like food service, stores, and hotels stay open really late, but I can't think of many places that have an HR department in-house that stay open past 10 p.m., Mm. you know. It seems like a weak alibi to me, but Guy was actually being very cooperative with the police, and they uh, went to confirm it. And they were able to verify his alibi. Yeah, so I guess it wasn't Guy. Dang it. (laughs) So, remember the news interviews that Todd was doing daily? He was shedding tears on television, asking and thanking the public for their help. But law enforcement officials, as well as others in the public, perceived Todd's desperate pleas as a bit odd. 
They didn't really seem sincere to some people. And in fact, the majority of the public just weren't buying into his waterworks. So this is interesting. Yeah. But as we know, you know, there's no right way to act when something terrible like this happens. And just because someone seems to be acting odd doesn't mean they're guilty. You know, it's a really stressful time, especially when everyone is wearing T-shirts that say the husband did it. You know? <laughs> I do want one of those. <laughs> I have no idea, but I would imagine that if I were in this situation, I'd be super stressed out about being suspicion being on me, you know, because I've heard cases of people being convicted with like no evidence. You know, like that guy that went to get a burger and then his wife got attacked right. and then she she thought it was him and then 20 years after he was in prison is that why you never go out for late night food runs without me it's one of the reasons i mean i always lock the door Mm -hmm. when i leave but even after he was proven innocent his wife still believed that he's the one that attacked her that night and it's really sad and it is it's terrible so i'd probably send off some weird vibes too (laughs) <laughs> if I if you went missing. <laughs> well, regardless, detectives started to look into Todd Smith, and they start to uncover some secrets that Todd had been keeping from the public. He claimed to be a successful money broker. He dealt with retirement plans and asset holdings. But he was actually being sued in federal court by some of his investors. Yeah, he had somehow duped investors out of $983,000. It's almost a, almost a million dollars. That is an insane charge to have against you. That alone could get him some serious prison time. Ooh. In connection with these scams, he had actually been indicted. Every time. <laughs> indicted. <laughs> indicted. <laughs> For 17 separate counts of fraud. I'm sorry. I can't say indicted. Indicted. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) It's all right. I think um, our listeners will understand. Todd pled not guilty and was awaiting trial, but he kept this a well-hidden secret from everyone. Except for one person. Katrina did know about these charges that were against him, and it was really putting a strain on their relationship. Everyone on the outside thought that Todd was making good money and was the breadwinner of the family. According to Todd, their relationship was going really well. They had just celebrated seven years together. But in reality, it was Katrina bringing most of the financial support to them. And that really had to suck for her because he's taking all the credit for providing for their family. He's pretending to be Mr. Wonderful. And she feels trapped, not being able to tell anyone the truth. And also, we forgot to mention... Todd has three daughters that the couple were supporting financially, so that's a lot of pressure on Katrina. And some women want to be the breadwinner, and that's totally awesome, but it doesn't seem like Katrina was cool with this arrangement. I would be so frustrated with you if you did that. I know. That would never fly. Oh, I know. You'd you'd kick me in the pants before it got to that point. (laughs) The financial burden of Todd and his family were stressing Katrina out, and she was starting to realize it was too much for her to handle. She needed to end the marriage before it ruined her. So now we're going to back up and fill in some details that were previously based on Todd's statements. Katrina had actually moved out of Todd's home two and a half weeks prior to her disappearance. Yeah, so well, t- isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. Todd said that she... They had just gone on this magical trip to Washington, D.C., and they just got home. Wow. In reality, she was living somewhere else. So that was a few days before those flyers got thrown into her work parking lot. It's two and a half weeks prior is when she moved out. Then, you know, the flyers were two weeks before her disappearance. So with that in mind, it seems a lot more likely that Todd is the dude with the terrible grammar. <laughs> Who made up those flyers as an act of revenge on her for leaving him. And I was throwing shade at Guy. Yeah. Rude. Well, Guy was uh, physically abusive to his wife, so I'm not going to let him get away. True. Yes, I forgot about that. Another piece of evidence they found in Katrina's car 
that we haven't talked about yet is a card for Katrina from Todd where he was begging her not to leave him. I'm guessing that was the clue that originally tipped them off to the fact the marriage wasn't what it appeared to be on the outside. This card supports the theory that Todd made the flyers because it also has (laughs) terrible grammar. (laughs) Uh, Missing some punctuation and appearing to be written either in an extreme hurry or possibly by a two-year-old. Rosie, (laughs) it's really... You got to look up the picture because it's really hard to read like Mm -hmm. just physically hard to read because it's written so poorly but rosie do you want to read the part of the part of what the card said that i I could actually legibly make out i remember you now trying to like decode oh yeah i was reading this and i was like this guy's such an idiot (laughs) yeah and i was like well whatever he's doing it's fine yeah that was while you were making our um our last Patreon episode, the mm-hmm. movie set tragedies. So shout out to our Patreon if you want to hear five premium episodes. Oh my gosh. Hashtag plug. Plug. Well. For ourselves. No one else is going to plug our Patreon, so we okay. got to. Okay, I'm going to read this card now. Okay, sorry. It says, to the love of my life, I will try to keep this short. I am so sorry that you are unhappy. You are such an incredible person. You deserve happiness. I understand how you are feeling. As you know, I've been there. It is a lonely, vulnerable place. I am scared to death that you are going to start talking to someone that will take advantage of the situation and that feelings will develop and confuse the situation more. For some reason, scared to death was underlined. Oh, he was like scared to death. Oh. That's why. Emphasis. Now, know this... I trust you. I know what kind of person you are. And then there was that part I was talking about that I wasn't able to read, but towards the end, it continued. Hmm. Okay. I will do whatever it takes. Just know that I am always available to talk to, cry with, or hug. I am willing to try counseling again. I will try to take more stress off of you. I like this next part. I will wear cologne every day. (laughs) I love you. I trust you. I need you. I want you to be happy. I want to grow old with you. I pray that all these are possible. I love you and cherish you, Katrina. Love, Todd. He must have been a stinky boy. (laughs) But man, oh man, does it sound like he's super desperate to patch up some marital difficulties. But haven't we all found cards like this in our mom's stash from our dad's? You know, like, desperate to fix their marriage. I don't think I found that. No, I was just making a joke about my appearance. Okay, cool. But this card is the proof that shows their marriage was really on the rocks. It's not enough to prove he's the reason for her disappearance, but it did give them another reason, besides the strange TV appearances, to look into Todd further. Hmm. One of the detectives actually saw this letter for more than it appears. She said there were subtle phrases in it like, I can't live without you and I'll do anything that made her think this card was more of a thinly veiled threat. I was hoping you'd go more into character for those lines. Well, I don't think that those are thinly veiled threats. Because I say I I can't live without you and I'll do it. Well, I'll be like, I'll do anything if you take me to Disney World. You're super corny, but this guy just seems desperate. Okay, so it would be like, I can't live without you. I'll do anything. That's a little OT. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, this, like I said, this is just what the detective right. surmised from this. And this lined up well with the text that Katrina had gotten from her secret lover guy that implied that Todd and Katrina were in the middle of a fight. His text said, day by day, baby steps. It will be over before you know it, and then the healing begins. Then, talking about the house, Guy texted her, You either sell, or he goes. Did you tell him it's too little, too late? Nice voice. That's my Guy voice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So clearly, she had been talking to Guy about making the divorce legal and splitting assets. This all looked really bad for Todd, because now... It's starting, to, it's starting to look like he had a motive. 
To add to this, they actually found little appointment notes in her purse for a divorce lawyer. So she was obviously serious about leaving Todd. All the evidence was supporting that. So Todd was lying about them going on a trip to celebrate seven years together. They hadn't just gotten home from a happy trip. Um, on Monday the 22nd, she had actually just come over to the home um, to Todd's home to do laundry and discuss the divorce with him. Yikes. Who makes up a trip like that? That's just such an odd thing that you think is going to be solid. Someone that wants to convince people that his marriage was wonderful. I guess. Hmm. So that would mean that he was the last person to have seen her alive. And then a huge bomb was dropped into the investigation when they realized a secret that Todd was keeping. Even from his wife. Todd Smith was not his real name. Todd Smith was actually Todd Raprager. Is that how you say his last name? Ah, uh, I think it's like Raprager. Ra- it looks like Rap Rager, but I don't think that's it. He changed his name to, to Tom. To Tom. <laughs> Todd Smith. After he was convicted of arson at 17 years old. Yeah. So this guy had actually, and I'm not talking about Guy Gabriel, Todd had actually intentionally burned down his parents' house. Intentionally. um, Which was found out. And his parents were unable to collect insurance from Allstate because it was a breach of the insurance contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. If one of the insured insured dependents caused... The fire? Man, that was a mouthful. But what I'm trying to say is, because he was the child of... He was dependent on the people who took out the insurance on the house. Mm-hmm. They couldn't collect on it because um, he caused it. So Wow. Yeah, he really screwed his parents over there. I wonder what his deal was. Hmm. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. Todd had removed a plug from a natural gas line in the basement of the home in the early morning hours of March 16, 1985. Then he left the house, and later that morning, the house exploded and burned. Todd blamed his motive for the arson on some relationship issues that he was having with his parents. Yeah, so that's apparently what his motive was. And he admitted that he did it intentionally. Wow. Yeah. Just some vague relationship issues, but I can't. So there was no like sexual sexual abuse or physical abuse or. Uh, not a. He didn't say anything like about it. He just said relationship issues. But I can't believe he only got charged with arson and not attempted murder here. Because here's another detail: his parents and his brother were all asleep in the home at the time of the explosion. This was like early morning hours. Luckily, none of them were injured, but it could have killed them. It's so stupid and ridiculous, but I'm guessing he changed his name so no one could Google him and figure out what he had done, especially since he was, you know, he had this highly respectable job of being a broker, you know, determining if people qualify for financial, you know, loans and stuff, so... Hmm. He's, yeah, hiding some serious stuff. So now with this ridiculously stupid stunt in mind, he seems like the kind of guy who would make a call to do something really dumb when he's having relationship issues. I mean, like I said, he basically attempted to kill his entire family at age 17. That is insane. Mm Mm-hmm. All he got for this was 30 months of probation, and his wife Katrina never knew about what he had done. She had no idea he was capable of attempting to harm someone else like this. It seems like a pretty big deal. I mean, he was only 17, but still, that's old enough to know not to burn down your house with your family inside. So after discovering this little nugget of information from his past... Police issued a subpoena and obtained a search warrant for his home. They seized his computer during their search, which held some more information that would help move the case. Even after suspicion turned toward Todd, he kept doing those news interviews. 
For 17 days straight after Katrina's disappearance, Todd appeared on the news. So he may have thought it would be helpful to do this, but to a lot of people, including the police, the more they saw him talk, the more suspicious they grew of him and wanted to punch him in the face. People noticed that he would bury his face in his hands and make crying sounds, but there were never any actual tears, which is very odd. (laughs) Now, remember we said um, Todd had diligently searched alongside family, friends, and volunteers to try to find his wife? Police actually talked to the two people who had been next to Todd while they did the sweep searches. And that's where all the volunteers stand side by side and sweep a large area. So they're standing pretty close together so they don't miss anything. The family and the people standing near Todd said that he was really not into the search. He was more of a bystander than anything. The two women that stood on either side of him during the search, Victoria Lerke and Judy LaSala. Wow, I'm impressed. (laughs) said that they were getting actually frustrated with Todd's behavior because he seemed to have such little interest in the search. He spent most of the search looking at his phone and trying to get the dirt and grass off of his clothes instead of focusing on the search. Masala said, It was like he was trying to get rid of us. So, who? He was cleaning off his pants and diddling around on his phone? Diddling. Like... You'd think if your wife went missing, that that would be the only thing you could think about, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. where the heck is my wife? But that's super suspicious. Um, Another factor is that he told detectives who seized his computer that he had just recently cleaned out his files and deleted everything. So, that's suspicious. That is very suspicious. (laughs) Like, who does that? It's not like something you just do on a regular basis. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to format my entire computer. You always make a backup. But apparently, he didn't really know what he was doing. He (laughs) probably just did a drag and drop of everything to the recycle bin and then emptied it out. But your hard drive doesn't actually delete files when you do that. It just tells your computer that it's okay to overwrite those files. Um... So if you don't fill up your hard drive with something else, those files will still be there Hmm. if you have the right software. Can you pass me my laptop? I need to do something quick. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Thanks. So forensic experts were able to pull the deleted files off of Todd's hard drive. What they found were records of an old obsessive lover stalking his wife. Yeah. There was... The word old isn't in the outline, but (laughs) I guess that works. I know. I thought I would just gloss over it. So there was a folder named KS10412. And those were Katrina's initials, followed by the date of a night when Katrina had allegedly met up with her secret boyfriend for drinks. Yikes. So I'm guessing this had some kind of data from Todd stalking them the night they had gone on this date possibly photos he had taken. We don't know for sure because the evidence is confidential, this part of it, but... Mm -hmm. Then another folder they found had the files from the flyer that had been thrown into the parking lot of Katrina and Guy's workplace. Busted! So, at least now we know who made the flyer. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if we couldn't tell by comparing that note and the flyer Mm -hmm. grammatically... (laughs) (laughs) It matched up. Yeah. They also checked his internet searches, and he had Googled the phrase, tallest bridge in Rockford. So that also seems awfully suspicious to Google just before your wife goes missing. That does seem suspicious. But the file that really caught detectives' eyes was a folder named Super Track Stick. Super Track Stick. Yeah, that was a type of GPS tracking device that you could stick onto something, then plug it into your USB port later and get time-stamped coordinates of where the tracker had pinged. Yikes. Okay. So someone was stalking someone else. In this folder, they found three years worth of tracking logs. He had been straight up stalking his own wife for three years. Now, I'll admit... I stalk you, Rosie. 
I'm I just don't kidding. Care. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Sometimes I track your phone to see where you are, like if you're not responding to my texts, and I'm wondering if you got to your destination safely. But <laughs> I'll do the find my device thing. But um, you get a notification on your phone when I do that. I do. It's not secretly stalking. You know I do it, and you know why I do it. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's good. But um, when they examined Katrina's car further, they realized that he had been attaching the track stick underneath her car where she would never see it. So it's pretty safe to say that she had no idea he was tracking her, which is invasion of everything. No bueno. I don't know. Would you want me tracking you if you had no idea? No, but it's, it's, it's no, it, it is an invasive. I mean, invasion. I understand wanting to know like what your spouse is up to, but just ask them or tell them like mm. to secretly stalk someone. Right. Is just no, it's know. a total invasion of privacy. Yeah, it's a, it's like showing that you don't trust your mate. You know. Mm-hmm. Police were also able to obtain security camera footage from one of Todd's neighbors. It showed a short dude walking by on the sidewalk, and the guy looked like Todd. But the image was too poor of quality to tell for sure. But they were able to find a file in the Super Track Stick folder from October 22nd, the night Katrina went missing. Todd had plunged the track stick into his computer that night and uploaded the track coordinates to his laptop. Plunged? Is that how you plug in the USB? I'm, I swear I saw the word plunge. No, he, he plugged it in. <laughs> but I guess... Hey, pl- if you're like super psyched or super like anxiety stricken to look, you're plunging. You're plunging like a plunger in a toilet. You know what? You're right. I'll edit the outline right now. <laughs> so it turns out that the tracked coordinates and timestamps lined up exactly with the security footage the police had found. The GPS pinged in front of the neighbor's house at the time the footage showed a man walking. It couldn't have been anyone but Todd. Because um, the coordinates, you know, they were plugged into Todd's own laptop. Plunged, really? Oh, yeah. They were plunged into Todd's laptop. Um, the coordinates also showed that the tracker had been in the spot where Katrina's car was found. So the stick actually activated at that spot. And by the timing of the pings, detectives could tell that someone was walking with it instead of driving Mm -hmm. because they compared it to the older pings that happened while she was driving Mm -hmm. and, you know, they were more spaced out. But so it seems like he actually took the track stick off the car and he thought he was turning it off but he actually turned it on so hmm. this guy's kind of an idiot is this the type of stick that was in breaking bad when oh that Walter joe found? joe was trying to yeah tear apart his car yeah i mean mike, mike. why did i call him joe because we thought his name was joe for a while oh yeah so now we see that todd had obviously been at the scene where the car was dumped He was looking very guilty, but there was still no body or indication of where Katrina was. So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Um, I just want to review it. There was a motive because Katrina was cheating on him, and he knew about it. Uh, There was evidence that he had made those angry flyers, and we know that she was at his house the night that she disappeared. After having left him uh, two weeks prior... Then, Todd had walked from where Katrina's car was parked um, back to his home and plugged the track stick into his laptop. So he pretty much provided solid evidence for the police to suspect him. But investigators didn't feel this was quite enough evidence yet. It all still qualified as circumstantial. But like we mentioned earlier, they luminaled the trunk of Katrina's car and found blood inside. Yeah. It's also interesting, we didn't mention this before, but Todd actually brought up the blood in the trunk before investigators even knew about it. He did? Yeah, but it kind of just like went over their heads at first. But on the 24th, two days after the disappearance, 
Todd called detectives to complain. Um, he was upset because he thought investigators had told Katrina's family about blood in the trunk of the car, but they hadn't even processed it yet and weren't aware of it yet. So, what an idiot. But after that, Todd changed his story and said, Oh, I must have heard it through the grapevine or on a blog. What the crap, dude? <laughs> like, who else would have this info? But of course, as this investigation went on, that became another huge red flag. After doing d- DNA testing, they found that it was Katrina's blood. The chances of her still being alive were pretty small. But as good as Todd looked as a suspect for this case, despite finding Katrina's blood and prints in the trunk of the car, they didn't find Todd's fingerprints anywhere. But the car did appear to have been freshly wiped of prints like we mentioned earlier. On most of the surfaces, it was just clean. So investigators were pretty sure that Todd was responsible for whatever happened to her, but they needed more direct evidence. And you would think that because they were married, that there would be some prints on the car. Yeah. So it's almost more incriminating that there weren't any. Exactly. Like, it would be totally normal for his prints to be in that car. Yeah. But now that it's clean... It's weird. Another idiotic move by Todd Smith. They had a really big break in the case after this. While a retired fireman was fishing on the Rock River, he noticed something caught on a log near the edge of the river. He moved to get a closer look. And he realized it was a body. It was pretty decomposed. They couldn't even identify it until they checked dental records, but it was the body of Katrina Smith. Four days later, the autopsy report stated that her death was caused by blunt force trauma, and it was ruled a homicide. Yeah, so this is the ending we didn't want. But it was really brutal. She had been beaten badly and had several cuts. Hmm. Now the body was found, and there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. They just needed to find a murder weapon to have a rock-solid case against this guy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, I think he could have been convicted with just this evidence that they have now, but they really wanted to make sure that once they charged him, he was going to get it, it makes smacked sense. down. Right. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the police had collected a baseball bat from Todd's garage during one of their searches, and after finding out how Katrina died, it drew their attention to it. They had actually found blood on the bat, and they were able to test the DNA and match it to Katrina as well. Yeah, and there was another coincidence along with that that came from the testimony of Todd's own daughters. Uh, They said they were with their dad and one of his friends at the house, and this was after the police searched. Um, Todd asked his friend to go grab the baseball bat from the garage. When the friend told him the bat wasn't there, Todd got visibly upset and a bit panicky, according to his daughters. And so I'm sitting here thinking, this case has plenty of evidence to send this dweeb to the clink. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's, I don't know, I I get really panicky when my bat is missing. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I can attest to that. (laughs) Todd Smith was charged with murder, aggravated battery, aggravated domestic battery, and concealment of homicide. Of course, he pled not guilty. Defense argued that Todd's fingerprints and DNA weren't found on the bat or other evidence and that there were no eyewitnesses to the murder. They claim that Katrina's secret lover, Guy Gabriel, is the real perp. Okay, so that could be a possibility. I mean, all this evidence is too perfect, you know? Maybe Guy Gabriel set Todd up, Oh. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he was super pissed at Todd for making those flyers. It is a bit suspicious that Todd's fingerprints and DNA weren't found on anything. But is it? Yeah, again, the <laughs> there was evidence of everything being wiped clean. And when you add all the circumstantial evidence, as well as odd behavior and straight-up lying to police about their marriage, Todd seems super guilty. Mm-hmm. On top of that, detectives were able to verify Guy Gabriel's alibi of being at work at the time of the GPS pings. 
so it really couldn't have been him. During the trial, the prosecutor actually took the bat and demonstrated how many times Todd would have had to swing the bat to cause the injuries that were found on Katrina. So this was no doubt. like I just, can't imagine this would have been terrible. Yeah, just a really harrowing and powerful illustration that really had to tug on the hearts of the jury, thinking about what this woman really went through. It seems like she went over to Todd's house to do laundry and tell him about her future plans. She probably brought the divorce papers with her to ask him to sign. And he just, I mean, based on the evidence, seems like he just lost it and grabbed his bat and let her have it. So savage. And, I mean, I get the fact that finding out you're being cheated on has got to be devastating. But no one deserves to be murdered or beaten over that. It's such a terrible circumstance. And now Katrina's poor family has lost someone very dear to them. Todd Smith was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to 59 years in prison. I wonder why they didn't just give him life, but he was 50 at the time of sentencing, so this is basically a life sentence. But this little moron never took any responsibility. And if you've listened to us for long, you probably know that this is one of my pet peeves. Todd denied doing this to his wife, and then he... In a genius move, he quoted a scripture. He said in court, King Solomon said, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth the favor of the Lord. In closing, although I am not guilty of the acts the state portrayed, I harbor no ill will towards anyone. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) I hate that he's trying to play all self-righteous, and act like he's a martyr, you know, being wrongfully accused by the state, when he clearly took the wife of his own, took the life of his own wife. Yeah, um, why not just say you're guilty? I mean, what's the point of hiding it at this point, you know? Yeah, because now he's just going to be frustrated the whole time he's in prison. But... Because... It's just so Todd, isn't it? So Todd Rap Ranger. <laughs> Katrina's family is finally able to try to move on now that their loved one's killer is facing justice. Her sister, Miranda, said, We want to just be able to move forward and just always remember Katrina and celebrate the person that she was. Katrina was a beautiful person inside and out, and she really made the world a better place just by being in it. Yeah, and for all Miranda's been through, losing her sister like this, it's really amazing to see her looking forward and trying to move on and celebrating Katrina's impact on her life. Mm-hmm. It's got to be really tough, but it's inspiring to see. And I know I made fun of Todd a lot in this episode because he just... we don't like him? He just really irks me, and it's funny how r- ridiculously stupid he is, but... I don't want that to take away from the gravity of this crime because this poor woman, her last moments were really terrible. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I believe cheating is terrible, but um, murder is way worse. You know? Yeah, I know. It's true. But I also hate cheating, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> Cheating ruins lives. And, I mean, it's a valid reason for Todd to get upset. But to lose it like this is, you know. Mm-hmm. And then... No, oh, I know, I know. And then cover it up for so long and pretend to be crying on TV. Right. And it was just like he doubled down so many times on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's it for... Co- Todd and Katrina Smith. Wow. So, and we should say Todd Rap Rager. That's what, or Rap Rager. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who cares? But hmm. anyway, Poor that one's Katrina. a doozy. 
It's a really, like, it's a puzzle. It's an interesting puzzle put together. Yeah, it is. That's it, what I'm going to describe it as. Like, even though it was all laid out for me on the documentary I was watching, it was still hard to put all the pieces together. Yeah. Like, I had to watch it three times before I really, really could put it. it together in my head and decide how to write the outline. Anyway... Thank you all so much for listening. Mm -hmm. I just always want to make sure you guys know how much we appreciate you and that you spend this time with us and hang out and listen to these interesting stories and try to, you know, remember the people that have been lost because of being mistreated and the people that have suffered and lost time in their lives because of it. It's terrible and people need to be on the lookout for it. So, let's push that nastiness away. Yeah, I have um, our new five-star review up right now, and it was headed, deserves every star. What? You say headed? <laughs> like, like you know, like the... The title? Yeah, titled. That's what I meant to say. Uh, oh, you're going for like subhead, or like heading? Yeah. I get it now. It says... Take headed of. Take heed of, actually. It says Office fans will get that. It says <laughs> this podcast has quickly become one of my absolute favorites. Rosie and Ryan are adorable. These episodes are well researched without sounding rehearsed, and both podcasters are so empathetic and respectful towards the victims and seem as shocked and saddened by the often chilling, harrowing, and heartbreaking aspects of the cases they cover as we are as listeners. Mm-hmm. Excellent work. That grows in strength with each new episode. Well done from England. I look forward to your pod each week. Aveline's Mummy. <laughs> Be an Apple Podcast. Aw. Is that nice? Thank you so much. What was the name? Aveline's Mummy. Thank you so much. I know. Isn't that nice? Yeah, I hope I didn't just ruin it by being a little too... Turdish? Yeah, because I was... I don't know why. You're a little amped up. I had just had a coffee before I listened to, or before we recorded this, but... It's all good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate that. I'm glad some people don't think we sound rehearsed. Someone just left us a, a mean review, and yeah. they said that it sounds like we read. And we we're like, well, yeah, we do read, and then we talk about what we're reading. Yeah. Like every other podcast. <laughs> well, some podcasters are really, really good at being conversational, but... We can't remember all these details without reading it. Yep. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, we do read. (laughs) But the bad reviews make us appreciate the good reviews even more. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we're glad that people do appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. And you know what I say. If you're going to leave a mean review, send an email instead. Yeah. (laughs) And hey, if you like our show, please leave us a nice review. We would love it. Yes, the real fans got to weigh out the people that are just bitter and have no joy in their soul <laughs> and like to read, leave mean reviews. So anyway, Podcast Festival 2019. We are so excited to meet all the other podcasters that are going to be there. There's going to be live episodes and there's going to be panel discussions. And in the weeks leading up to it, we'll be giving more details when we talk about it, about who will be on the panels and who will be doing the live episodes. Mm-hmm. And if you can't wait for us to tell you, you can go to the website tcpf2019.com, and that has all the details already. Right. As well as tickets. Get your tickies. Yeah. And that'll be in Chicago in the Magnificent Mile. So we're really excited about that, mostly because we can't wait to meet I'm scared. all these podcasters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm scared too. <laughs> like, it's going to be weird meeting all these people we're fans of in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it'll be weird. But it'll be cool. Yeah. So, without further ado, I think that's it. What about you? Well, I, when I was looking for that review that we talked about, mm-hmm. I saw another new one. Uh oh. That's titled Unlistenable. Oh, no. And it's one star. It just says, brand new? Yeah, it just says, oh. yikes genuinely so bad so yeah that literally just a happened nice, now honest review of our podcast no we- way <laughs> but anyway dang it okay we need those good reviews yeah come on people let's outweigh the negativity with kindness 
thank you to everyone who already has left a five-star review. <laughs> it's really bumping me out. Seriously? Oh, I'm ready for it's okay, babe. tacos. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Feel free to email us at VOV Podcast because we're always talking at you. We want to hear back from you because we like hearing from you. And if you're new here, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast and Twitter at VOV Pod. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much it. I do too. Oh, and like we said earlier, you can support us on Patreon. Yep. At patreon.com slash podcast. That'd be cool. And all the stuff is in the show notes. So, Rosie, let's wrap this up. Okay. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Before you go, check out this promo for one of my personal favorite podcasts uh, that Tara Saraban and Barney Black do. It's a nice, lighter approach to true crime, so be sure to check them out. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And we do Bloody Murder. We're a weekly true crime podcast that focuses on some of the lesser-known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. We're a comedy podcast with a dark sense of humour. But we're dead serious about murder and the people it affects. We find humour in some unexpected places. But never at the expense of the victims or their families. We've been described as the blue cheese of podcasting. Addictive, strong and satisfying. And a bit stinky. I am not. You know you are. Bloody Murder. Murder is available on your favourite podcatcher.